0: Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial
1: service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing.
2: And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery.
0: We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, we will share insights, advice, and problems we encounter
2: at each stage. Hi, welcome to our Recovering Academy podcast. I'm Clady, and I'm here with Ian and Amanda. And today, we're going to talk about tips to use Twitter for networking. Um, I guess that the three of us actually met through Twitter mm-hmm. And we're always telling everybody on our podcast how awesome Twitter is. And although most of our listeners probably found us through Twitter, there might be some that are still not using it or maybe other newbies that still don't know the best way to interact with people there. Uh, So in this episode, we're going to try to talk about what's the best way that we use Twitter for networking and maybe give some tips Mm -hmm. and tricks about it. I guess that we can try to start talking on why you join Twitter and how you start building your network. Okay.
0: I mean, I joined Twitter because I was blogging. So I started blogging in 2007? Yeah, October of 2007. And I um, was running out of, um, when I joined Twitter, I was running out of time to blog. I didn't have time for those long form blog posts. And a lot of people had joined that I, Whose blogs I read. So I decided to join up so I could write, like, obviously much shorter posts and still get the mm-hmm. same interaction that I did out of the comment sections of blogs, but more in real time.
2: Hmm. So you start blogging before joining Twitter? Yes. So,
1: okay. Oh, um, interesting. I don't remember what made me initially sign up for Twitter. I was a huge skeptic about Twitter and, like, I just didn't get it and was like, that seems like a dumb social network um, <laughs> first like i mean i joined in 2011 so like that's you know five years ago now and but i've since become a huge convert and advocate for it like and like the power where i've really saw where i really saw the power of twitter was uh connecting people at conferences with con- people at conferences and like following like a conference hashtag and Like the first person i met in real life because we had met on twitter first i was like oh this is amazing and uh so and i've been tweeting ever since and like i you know it is literally like my primary social outlet now and it's my primary social network it's where i feel like i can be most myself um and that includes in like that includes me being myself in real life like, I am probably more myself on Twitter and express myself more on Twitter than, you know, I would if you were sitting next to me in person. Like, not always, but for the most part, that is true. And, like, I, I will literally be tweeting with someone who's I'm in the same room
0: with. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, we've done that.
0: <laughs> I've done that with yeah, Twitter. Like, I definitely am that
1: way. Right. So, anyway, and so since then, I've just, you know, like, I, I mean, I love being able to, yeah, like, I mean, meet people through Twitter, like, in real life at conferences. I love the communication aspect of it that you know lets you broadcast like conferences and um like one of my claims to fame like not fame but like one of the things i'm proud of is you know i got you got the the plant biology society the aspb to like adopt an official conference hashtag because like i just emailed them and, like hey you guys need an official hashtag for the conference that you have to advertise and promote and they did that year and they've done it every year since and it's been growing and it's awesome so, yeah that's I think my that's twitter story that...
2: That uh, hashtags are one of the most powerful things on Twitter. And for us, that whenever you go to a conference and the conference has an official hashtag, this is kind of like one of the must-do things. Like, if you are in a conference, just check the hashtag and start following the hashtag to see what people are writing about the the conference. And also... um, Start tweeting your experience, what you are seeing, what you are seeing, what you are listening, um, and then you will find out people that are in the same conference, and you can eventually try to connect and talk to in real life.
1: Right, exactly, and like I mean, I guess maybe it's slightly bad habit, but you know, I, I tend to be one of the people who like tweets and retweets the most at conferences, and I don't know how annoying that gets when I go to a conference and people just have to mute me. Yeah, I just mute the like, hashtag if it doesn't all. interest me. But, yeah, there you go. I mean, that probably makes sense. Um, that's cool that you can actually mute a hashtag. I guess they didn't know that about Twitter. So
2: Oh yeah, you can mute a hashtag. That's and you can also mute some uh, specific words. <laughs> like, uh, I've done that with like, uh, okay, whenever there's like some crazy thing happening like politic wise, and I kind of feel like I don't want to deal with that. Uh, sometimes oh, yeah. I, I just mute. A specific word, and and then you don't get tweets about yes. that.
1: Can you schedule a time of muting? Like, can you, like, say, oh, I'm going to mute that person for a week? And then it just automatically, like, lets up?
2: I don't think that... I think that that's not possible. Yeah, I haven't... I been. think that you have to actively I think it mute was. and then unmute okay. yes. the person or the hashtag
1: or... I'm sure Twitter gets this suggestion a lot, but I'm going to immediately suggest that to the Twitter people to be like, Hey, this would be an amazing feature. Yes. Um, at least for like, I feel like for the academic world. Cause like I, I do, I like, I genuinely worry a lot that I tweet too much and like, that I annoy people who follow me for like other, for whatever reason they follow me. And it's just, um, I don't want to like overwhelm anybody. So like if you can like selectively mute for a certain amount of time that's scheduled and then like, okay, I'm interested in that person generally, but for the seven days, I don't want to see what they're tweeting because I just don't care about that conference that they're going yeah. to or whatever. Yeah,
2: but I think that in that case, you you can kind of like warn your followers, "Hey, oh, I do. I'm going to go to that conference. I'm going to tweet a lot, so if you want, just mute that hashtag and and then, yeah, like that's they're not going to mute you, you know. You yeah. still, they're still going to see if you tweet something that is that doesn't have the hashtag. They're still going to see your tweet. It's just like those specific ones. So I guess that that's a way to go. Right. I
1: guess that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what I do. If people go to like random conferences um, mm-hmm. that I have no interest in interest in, and they start tweeting a lot about it, I just mute the hashtag because I'm not a plant biologist. I right. mean. I think the American Society of Plant Biology is a wonderful and fantastic thing to have, but it's not my particular interest. So Sure, absolutely. You've never been annoying, but I would just mute the hashtag because it's not my particular cup of tea. Right,
1: exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, again, like, I guess this gets into this thing of how you construct who you follow and what you follow and why. And because uh, one of the things about Twitter is, I mean, you can, there's a lot of different words for it, but... Like, you know, the one that like Chris Hardwick uses the Twitter genie where just like you know, like you're not interested in the ASPB hashtag, but you know, maybe you would just if you didn't mute it, you would just see something that somebody tweeted with that hashtag that, you know, like I retweeted or something and it's something that is actually relevant to you for serendipitous reasons, just like oh, that is relevant to me and I want to explore that further or interact with that person further. And, like, you'll just discover these random things and, like, you know, like, we started this podcast because we all knew each other from Twitter. Like, this is, like, a surprising outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing I tell Mm -hmm. people, like, when I'm evangelizing for Twitter is, like, I mean, I can't tell you exactly what will happen, but Like if you tweet regularly and interact and like are on the platform like random things will pop up that are amazing like i can point to most of the good things in my life that have happened because i've been on twitter the last five years so like it's that big of a deal for me to have it as an outlet as a platform and yeah
0: yeah twitter for me has been kind of like my water cooler so even when i was in the lab like i still use twitter as kind of a way to connect to other people and talk about things and see people like and i'm using air like i'm using air quotes around c but see people outside of my lab right and like that's how i've gotten a job advice i've gotten referrals for work i've gotten random like i've gotten bits of help i've gotten offers for like if i've been in a random city been like hey you can come stay with me or if you need something, you know, come and stop by. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I guess that, uh, yes, it's it's very true. And I, I concur with both of your statements. Uh, it's just that it takes some time to get there. Mm-hmm. Because in the beginning, I don't know, for me, I started, I also joined Twitter, I don't even know when. And I couldn't understand and I didn't, I didn't like it. And after a couple of years, I came back, and and then I started to follow a lot of researchers and scientists, and I started to see what they were talking about, and I started to think that it was cool. But um, I was with my real-life account at that moment, and every time that I was going to tweet something, I was thinking, like a 1000 times and I was like skeptical. Um, So that's when I I, I saw that there were a lot of people that didn't write under their names. And I was like, well, let's try to open another one. So I actually did have my uh, Dr. PMS account in 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people asked me like, Oh, why you have that pseudo and uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I used to work with neuroendocrinology of female reproduction. And oh. that's why I kind of like, okay, PMS, Dr. PMS. And and then I started like talk trying to build my network. And I think that one of the hardest things is in the beginning because you see all those people talking, talking and you feel like, oh why I'm going to retweet or why why I'm going to tweet something if I'm talking to myself if there's no one listening. So there's a lot of uh talking to yourself in the beginning that sometimes is tough.
1: Yeah, I I mean, well look, I still feel that way all these years later that like I am just tweeting out into the ether and nobody really <laughs> like, cares that much because um, like i mean there is an art to like you know if you want to get engagement there is you know like there are different different paths mm-hmm. to doing that but a lot of what i started doing was like I, I had this principle for a while like i forget oh you know i do know where i read this this is um like a tip i got from uh the book so what are you going to do with that um like you know it's a 2000 It's an older book about you know transitioning out of academia that was published in 2001 i think and i can't remember the authors off the top of my head now but anyway two people who transitioned out of academia or out of like the traditional academic path into other careers wrote this book and like one of their things about networking that really appeals to me was this idea of just writing to somebody who you admire and just or who did something that you're like hey that was a cool thing that you did and i appreciate your work um i started using twitter to do that because like a lot of like authors and writers and stuff are on twitter and you can just Mm -hmm. like an early one i know that i did was like with susan kane who wrote quiet i just i tagged her on twitter like hey i love your book and it's changed my life yeah i mean not probably not in those terms but like you know i was like hey i love your book (laughs) thank you for writing it and you know it's really cool when you get like you know susan kane to like favorite your tweet like it's um (laughs) and so yeah so like there's like that's how I started literally a lot of my tweets were like stuff like that and like just finding things that I found interesting and saying like tagging the author and saying like hey this is amazing thank you for writing this
0: yeah I guess like I just so I started a little bit differently than both of you all because I basically started tweeting um right before I had well in like the year or so leading up to having my first son Mm mm-hmm because I I just didn't have time. Like I had morning sickness and I was busy on, I was busy defending my dissert like getting my dissertation together because I was in the process of writing that and finishing up and what have you. So I followed people who I read blog- read their blogs yep. and I had commented on their blogs. So for that, it was more of just kind of a natural extension from, hey, I read, you know, Like, I read Becca's blog, so therefore I, you know, followed Dr. Becca. Right. Or Doc Becca, PhD. And so I followed her on there. Or, like, um, Sugar Scientist, like, we talked on her blog, so of course I started following her. So, like, I followed people, they followed me back, and then it was much more of a um i guess more of it was less thinking like more i don't want to say organic because that sounds so abusive. yeah
2: it but seems right. that you already had uh yeah
1: social it was network. more of an
0: extension of my online network already
1: right
2: yeah so in, the, in your case it was a little bit easier mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i guess that every like ian said everybody it's going to have a different experience yes. and i guess that we are not here to tell people what's right what's wrong it's more like share how we use and and how it's sort of working for us (laughs) or I, i mean
1: or yeah or just sharing some of like the things that we've learned and tips and things maybe not to engage in
0: so like for me i just always kind of like i started learning like everything on twitter like people that you follow all the conversations are very open conversations so if you have an opinion about something or you have something to say like don't think too much about jumping in and saying like, hey, I think X, Y, or Z, or you can I can contribute to this conversation, or I'm expressing – like people post about things that are going on in their lives, so expressing sympathy and that sort of thing with the usual caveats.
1: Right. And, I mean,
2: yes, I agree. Yeah, I think that the rule number one is to interact with people yes. because Twitter is a social – Uh, network. So you can tweet, you can follow a bunch of people, but um, you're not a robot. You're not Mm -hmm. just retweeting things and uh, tweeting news all over. So if you see something that you have an opinion, just talk to people because the more that people see you as an actual person, Uh, the more that they're going to interact with you and be likely to follow you and you're going to grow your audience there.
0: Yes. And Twitter is all about the conversations. Yes.
1: Right. Yes. It it is. And it's definitely all about the conversations. And I guess the other rule that we should state up front, like to be like an actual professional person on Twitter is, you know, I guess, what is it called? Like it's Wheaton's law. Like, don't be a dick. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Um, yes (laughs) basically like don't be a troll don't like i mean you can express a dissenting opinion but don't be like you know don't be super cruel about it like you know it's like because twitter can get intense pretty quickly and you'll see a lot of those hateful harassing things like i mean for me twitter's been a great platform for just listening also and one of the things where listening really like opened my eyes was you know a few years ago um with like some of the sexual harassment stuff going on in science that um i forget what the first one i really followed closely was but anyway like some of those incidents that came cropping up and just like following the tweets that you know especially like women in science and underrepresented groups in science were you know they were tweeting all the stuff and like hey this is our experience this is what happens this is how it is and like it's really eye-opening just to listen into the conversation and like not even interacting at all in that case i was mostly just listening and every so often i would make a comment saying like wait what do you what exactly do you mean here because it's not clear um mm-hmm. and but like you know listening is a powerful use of twitter so like even if you start twitter just by following a couple of accounts that are relevant to you and just seeking information out like you know like like i mean maybe a trivial example is just following the national science foundation and the nih um at nsf and at nih by the way uh, and just, you know, like they'll just post stuff that's institutional for them. But, you know, like that's information that you can potentially use. And like you you may hear about it before a lot of your colleagues do because Twitter is fastest to a lot of things.
2: And the good thing about Twitter is that whenever you set up an account and you start following people, it starts to suggest People and it has this algorithm that it will just so if you probably if you follow NSF and NIH, it will get that you're into research and will start to to uh, right
1: suggest scientists suggest like yeah, and you'll see people who reply to the NIH about things and you'll interact with them. Like I think one of the some of the first people I actually followed were not even like scientists. It was because we you know like Doctor Who fandom basically. Um yeah so (laughs) there you go like so like twitter is also it's not just professional for me like i also do personal things and i guess the other thing i would say about twitter like even academic science twitter is it it is less formal than like academia and it's really it really pays to develop something of a sense of humor as well as something of i guess i call it thick skin but um it helps understand that take things with a grain of salt and that people are often being sarcastic or making jokes or do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's just, mm-hmm. that's sort of the nature of the platform. And like, that's you know, if you're making a funny saying something funny, like that is usually more engaging or you're participating in a hashtag game. Like those are you know usually more fun and drive a lot of engagement rather than like, you know, ate breakfast today, having coffee and that, like that stuff. Right so i guess like i guess this is like just a tip that you know twitter is beyond just it can be beyond just professional if you want it to be
0: yeah it doesn't need to be formal like you don't need to think like okay i need to tweet about my latest experiment or my latest paper or even just i need to write formal sentences you've got to realize you've got 140 characters and you want to be able to convey information so, you're going to take shortcuts with grammar in the English language and liberal use of GIFs or GIFs. Yep. And, yeah, and pictures.
1: Don't... And pictures.
0: And pictures are and definitely encouraged.
1: Yeah. And I, I guess another thing related to this, um, I just lost my train of thought there. But, right, exactly. No, it's uh, right. So, like, yeah, pictures, GIFs, like sharing, like, images work well on Twitter now, like, as does humor and informality. And I forget what I was going to say right now, but there was something else I had about... Um, it will come done. back. Yeah, it'll come back to me, I <laughs> hope. If it was that important.
2: Yeah, I think that it's true that you don't need to be formal and you don't need to overthink. But on the other hand, it's good if you focus on your audience, yeah. on like what you want to achieve. Yep. Because, I mean, you can use Twitter just... I don't know, for the sake of using Twitter and just for fun. But if you do have some sort of, okay, what is your... What do you want from Twitter? You want to uh, find other researchers? You want to get help? You want to find a job? Uh, you want to change your work? I don't know. So I think that then you need to focus on that and follow people. There are like strategic people towards that. Mm. And also... Uh, whenever you tweet you focus on your audience and on what you want to pass on them it's not that you need to be professional 24 hours a day but it's just like uh they know like for instance like oh Ian he is the uh plant biologist that write blogs you know kind of like to yeah. have the, of the uh, overall thing. Like I am the girl, the neuroscientist that now works with sales. You know what I mean? Kind of like. Uh, your identity, uh, like our persona. Yes, your persona. And, and that has to come not just by your Twitter bio. That, by the way, is super important. Yes. But uh, by what you don't want like, oh, scientists that interested in this and this. And then you just tweet about soccer, you know.
1: <laughs> right so okay this brought dog to what i was gonna say so i because right because like what i'm tweeting like often it'll takes me a couple minutes to like actually compose a tweet because like i'm editing and stuff and like trying to fit everything in and phrase it just so and like i'm thinking <laughs> about it too like some of the a lot of the rules that apply to email apply to twitter like i mean maybe i'm one of the few people who like really thinks about what emails i'm sending and like trying to come up with considerate responses but anyway so like it's similar to that and then yeah, exactly. The bio, and the Venn diagram, who you're trying to reach. Like increasingly, I've thought about that more and more, even though when I started, it was literally like, I just need a community of people who I can interact with because I didn't, at the time, I also just did not have a actual like physical social network, like in real life social network very well. And so Twitter has sort of substituted that for me. And so, you know, if I'm creating yeah. my like Venn diagram of like my Twitter identity, you know, it's plant science, it's mental health, which, I, I mean, I made the decision to be open about because that's where I started blogging and writing my personal blog about that stuff and my journey with that. And another key thing is just deciding how much you're okay sharing and whether you want to be behind a pseudonym or not. And um, again, like, it's not clear to me that it was a good idea to sh- be open about things like depression and that stuff, but it's led to very good things for me. But at the same time, like, I still have this nagging worry that it's like, oh... This is going to cost me in terms of the kinds of jobs I can get, right? Like, I worry about that sometimes. So, like, those, those are things to be conscious of. Like, I'm also an introvert, and I talk a lot about that, and I talk a lot about, you know, things I'm a fan of, Doctor Who, and, you know, whatever else. So, like, it does, so, like, you know, you can create your own Venn diagram, but, like, increasingly, I'm trying to focus on my writing and my science writing and, like, this podcast and, like, actually promoting, like, the professional things that I do rather than the personal, although I still tweet about, tweet with that, about that stuff too. Although that comes in the form of just having conversations with like in real life friends of mine that I just interact with on Twitter because they live thousands of miles away and it's basically the way that I see them now. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess I started it out as a pseudonym um, because I had my blog and my blog was, um, I wrote under a pseudonym because I was a grad student when I started it. And so my, my PI was very understanding, but I did not, but he did not think that blogging was a good use of time. Yeah. Hmm. So it wasn't so much that I feared retribution, because I think he would have just kind of been like, okay, this is Amanda being weird, or like, this is your ex- eccentricity, so I'm going to let that go. But it was more of a, um, I just didn't want him to read it. Like, I just didn't want to be searchable and found on Google. Mm-hmm so yes. i started out as a pseudonym so just because so one of the points i wanted to make was that just because you start out as a pseudonym doesn't mean that you have to stay that way because i started out as lady scientist and i had a locked twitter account until probably i don't know maybe a year or so ago oh um, yeah i
2: remember that yeah i
1: mean and that's mm-hmm. a pretty generic yeah, pseudonym be... too like lady scientist like yeah. yep that's yeah that's like no idea who that could be <laughs>
0: right well i mean that was the name of my blog was was... it yeah i mean
1: i I assume that's the case but even still like it's like you know that's still very generic i I mean not like right you know what i mean like it doesn't scream identity other than like oh it's probably someone who identifies as female and as a scientist but like you know that's a large set of people now
0: (laughs) yes yeah that's true so like I eventually moved into being less as I got more comfortable and realized, okay, these are, th- like, you were talking about um, boundaries and stuff right. and what you felt comfortable with sharing. As I decided that I felt comfortable sharing certain things, I became more okay with becoming less of a pseudonym, so, um, like, I still don't share my kids' names on Twitter or on um, my blog, um, but I use my first name.
1: Yep right yeah
2: I think that with me was kind of like the same I started with a pseudo and now after the podcast we kind of like here I'm Clady and although I didn't change my bio it's I'm still not if you google my name there's not going to Dr. PMS is not going to show up there so yeah. and I'm kind of okay with that and and it's kind of like the same I don't uh it's funny because I don't really care that if my followers on Twitter know who I am, but I don't really want all those people in real life go yes. there and see my and look for my Twitter account and read my blogs and find all those things so um, I'm still kind of like I don't know pseudo pseudo <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that
1: right <laughs> yeah. I mean along those lines i I mean I guess. Technically, like, my cat has an air of pseudonymity because, like, I don't really refer to my cat's name very often on Twitter or on social media. He's just cat. So, um. anyway, but, but yeah, so, like, the point's well taken, like, because, like, I've always tweeted under my own name and it's, you know, can be, like, fraught and, like, it does sort of hold me back with the opinions I express sometimes. And, like, the things that I might say if I were behind a pseudonym would be, you know, a lot more pointed and... Potentially, you know, a little more like, no, this is what I really think about rather like under tweeting my own name. I'm a a lot more diplomatic and moderated and I don't tend to like I don't tweet when I'm emotional about something. Right. And like the stuff like Mm -hmm. the mental health depression stuff like I tweeted while I was going through it about it, but at the same time. Like now when I tweet about it, it's something that I feel like a lot more comfortable sharing. And it's just like, yeah, it's a story that I'm ready to tell and share with people in the past, like that's in my past. And so like, there is that aspect to it too. Like, just like, what's the rule that everyone always says? Like, you know, if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face or to your mother's face or your grandmother or like your professional colleagues face, don't say it on Twitter, right? And especially if you're using your own name, but even if you're a pseudonym, it's probably not a good idea.
0: And if you feel uncomfortable at first, you could have a locked account because I did for the longest time. Um, I did it because I was getting um, some. I was getting some trolls because obviously, from like even though my pseudonym is really generic, obviously I was somebody or I am somebody who identifies as female from my um, pseudonym. So I was getting some Twitter trolls from people. nothing like nothing super bad like nothing with people like death threats or anything like that but i was getting people who were um wondering about certain physical attributes i might have and certain um things that i might be willing to do with those physical attributes so i locked my twitter account um i unlocked it as i said probably about a year or so ago and i haven't had any issues with that since then
1: huh good wow i
0: So, but that is something, that is an option that you have. Because,
1: like, I've been extraordinarily lucky in that sense. Like, I've gotten very few trolls, and, like, I'm also not, again, like, I I tend not to be extraordinarily opinionated. Like, I will express a point of view, but it's always nuanced and complicated, and just basically the message is, yeah, this is a complicated issue. And everyone, most trolls are like, well, yeah, you know. I, I mean, every so often, like, the only ones I've ever gotten is, like, sometimes I tweet about GMOs, and every so often I'll get a troll who's, like no, they're evil and how could you shill for Monsanto or whatever. But that's been extraordinarily <laughs> rare. So I've been lucky in that regard. And like, it's also true that like, I'm, you know, cis white male. So like, I'm just less likely to get that stuff anyway.
0: Yeah. Like it wasn't anything that like, um, it wasn't in response to any of the tweets really that I had put out. It
2: was just, I think it was
0: just a blanket. Like
1: yeah people anybody saw the who handle. has a female
0: sounding suit. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, I, also, haven't got a lot of problems with Twitter. I think that I just blocked one person recently because it was kind of like, oh my God, I didn't have patience. And it was kind of like trolling and making mm-hmm. like, I don't know, comments that were really inappropriate. So I was like, I don't want to deal with that. Uh, but besides blocking... Um, I wanted to share also some of, I don't know, like, actual Twitter uh, tips and tricks. And um, I can say that I mainly use TweetDeck. Mm-hmm. So I I do use TweetDeck because um, you can have all those columns. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, your Twitter line and... One thing that I realized is um, if I, I was following a lot of people and then I was starting to, f- to miss a lot of tweets because I was not, if you're not there actually on Twitter, then you can come back, scroll back a little bit on your timeline, but you're not, you're going to miss a lot of things. So yep. I think that you cannot read everything. So to minimize that, I started to do lists. Mm -hmm. So I have several Twitter lists, some are private. So there are lists that are just like, I do have a a list that is friends. So it's kind of like my closest friends on Twitter. And I have a column for that. So that makes it uh, easier to keep up with uh, with their tweets. Um, And and then I have another, politics. I have another one that is science communication. And I just don't, some of people I don't follow. And I just put them on lists and I can um, see everything on TweetDeck. Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the things that I think that TweetDeck really good for, like with the columns, is I use it for Twitter chats. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. know that you all host the Diversity Journal Club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can actually use a column, set up a column based on a hashtag. So when you guys host those chats for, I think it's an hour yeah. once a month, right? Like every yes. third Friday? Yes. Um, like I set up a column that just has the Diversity Journal Club hashtag. So anybody who tweets with that hashtag, I can see as it comes up, and then I can respond to things in there. Um, I also do like the With a PhD tweet which i think yep. or with phd twitter chat which i think is every other monday that's hosted by jen polk right.
2: yeah noon right noon to one yeah noon yep.
0: so noon on Mondays. yeah so i check so i have like i'll set up a column with that so i don't have to keep that column up all the time but i use it for participating in twitter chats
2: yeah and now they have the side party yeah that <laughs> it's it's every friday i think from one to two. Oh yeah yeah it's it's there it's been fun i, I can't it's they're doing every Friday, so it's been tough to uh, join everything. But uh, so far, it's been really nice.
1: Yeah, I need to use TweetDeck more. Like, I mean, like, cause like, I the way I use Twitter is like I just have a tab on my browser basically, and just use the native Twitter <laughs> app on my phone a lot. Um, but like, I should use TweetDeck on my computer because like that the column thing would be yeah. more convenient. Like, there are more efficient ways I could use Twitter for sure. And like I mean,
2: yeah. And the, the other thing of TweetDeck is that you can uh, schedule tweets. Yeah. Yes. So that's something that um, if you I don't know you write a blog post and you wanna uh, tell your followers you know that they're not you have followers there are Eastern time you have followers on like. Pacific time. So, if you tweet at 8 a.m., those people are sleeping, so they're not going to see. So, you need to kind of, like, uh, tweet the same thing, different time. So, TweetDeck right. is good because you can schedule tweets on through there.
1: Right, because it's a, you have to be aware that, like, people have a lot of stuff scrolling through their feeds and they not may not necessarily see your first tweet about something. And... Right. So tweeting things, so scheduling things to go out multiple times during a day or during a week really does actually help uh, drive engagement of like a blog post or something you're actually trying to promote. Because like that is one function of Twitter is, you know, promoting yes. the stuff that you're doing. And the other thing I would mention too about engaging on Twitter is one of the things they have is a lot of Roker accounts, which are, I forget, I don't know what the acronym Roker is, but. Like, we mentioned a couple of them, like, I am, like, I am SciComm is one, real scientist is one that I had, I got to curate mm-hmm. last March. Oh, okay, yeah. And, like, I mean, maybe the most famous example is at Sweden is an account that they just, they give it to a different Swedish citizen each week, and, like, that Swedish citizen just tweets for a week from the at Sweden account. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, so, so, like, those are, like, you're gonna, like, you can, most of those have, like, websites you can apply to be on the list, basically, and, um, you'll get to curate you'll get to guest curate and that's another way to like get your voice out there and talk about um the things that you care about and get involved with like the things that you care about like i mean i should put in to do I am Psychom because like i haven't done that yet but like there's there's really those things haven't. that are you know that are out there that you can do that are you know not your own account but like promote your own voice and like it does take time to develop your twitter voice so just be aware of that Mm -hmm. too like it took me years to figure out exactly what my voice was and i'm still developing it to some extent like it's not as an ongoing process
2: yeah i guess that your life changes you know like right now i'm kind of like trying to be open to other career possibilities and i'm trying to uh follow pay more attention to other accounts i made a special list and i'm trying to change a little bit the tone of my tweets and i guess that that's that's life you just you're constantly evolving
0: yeah well i mean i started like when i started tweeting i was a fifth year graduate student getting ready to defend my dissertation and now, low these many years later, I have finished um, a couple of postdocs, and I'm starting my own business, and I work for Bite Size Bio. So, like, things that my tone of tweets and what I tweeted about has changed drastically over that time period, because it's been, like, many years.
1: Right. And like I said, mine's shifted from, like, super personal to a lot more professional yes um again that's the big shift i've made because i've always been a postdoc since i've been tweeting and i've always been in my 30s and yeah so anyway
0: oh i was in my late 20s when i started
2: (laughs) shh no one needs (laughs) to know that yeah, I started tweeting when I was a postdoc and I was kind of like, hey, I want to I wanna be a PI, I want to be in academia and I was all excited about that and uh, looking for jobs and applying for jobs and then things got shifting and now I'm here hosting the Recovering Academic podcast <laughs> talking about <laughs> leaving academia and being happy after there's life after academia. So yeah, life changed and so does your Twitter account. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Like most of the guest writing things that I've ever done like are because of Twitter, like interactions on Twitter. So and like I've learned like, you know, I've learned about classes that I've taken through Twitter and just people whose voices speak to me just like it's all because Twitter, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it it really has helped. And, like, especially at conferences, like I said, like, it's been a godsend for me to, like, actually meet people. Because, like, I can meet people through Twitter first. Then I'll see them at the conference and I can introduce myself a lot more comfortably just because, like, I know them a little bit through Twitter. Like, I can't stress how much that's a godsend Mm -hmm. for a person like me.
2: I guess it makes... I'm an extrovert person as well and I don't I have no problem of just going there to someone and say hey I'm whatever but I think that Twitter even for me uh it's much easier if you do have some interaction with that person and if you know something else uh and they if they talk to you it's it's literally there you're one step ahead right right so yes. yeah so
1: I guess what we're saying ultimately is Twitter and it's a very useful tool for your recovering (laughs) academic um, journey and for academics and for whoever you are you can find a use to use this platform
2: exactly yeah and I think that uh, with that we're wrapping it up thanks for listening and I hope that you to see you next time bye 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 bye
0: Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. You can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter.
2: I'm at LadyScientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore BMS.
1: And I'm at IH Street.
0: And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower.